background. You know, I mean, there's training obviously is huge for these young kids that are on here listening, uh, you know, getting their strength to be able to compete at your level. Can you talk about your fighting mentality? You know, obviously a part of the success you're having developing players physically and mentally. Can you talk about the type of training and why do you feel it's been successful? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think it's in the blood. I think um, uh, my family, I come from a four generations of, of boxing, um, you know, grandfather, father, um, myself as a, as a young kid, and then now my sons, uh, my twins that are boxing competitively as, as well. Um, coach, I, I just, I, I've had a passion, you know, for, I mean, obviously baseball is my love um, when it comes to, to what I do for a living. Um, but people have passions, right? People are watching football games tonight and, and they're wearing their jerseys and they're going crazy and chest bumping and doing their whole thing. Um, you know, boxing is my passion. It's just, uh, you know, not only to watch it, but to really study, you know, the work ethic, to really dive into it. And obviously, you know, growing up in a household that, that that's what my dad, dad did and still does to this day, you know, for a living, um, it's just a different mentality. It's just a, um, it's a different type of training. It's a different type of, of work ethic. Um, and not to say that baseball players or other athletes don't work as hard. It's just a different type of mentality that comes with the work ethic. I say this all the time, you know, when you're as a baseball player and I tell my team this, you know, if you're not prepared for a game, you're not prepared, um, you know, that week, that month, whatever, um, you know, what's the worst thing that's going to happen to you? You're going to have a bad outing, you know, on the mound. You're going to get ripped. You know, you're going to strike out. You're going to have a bad game. You're going to make errors. If you didn't take your ground balls, you didn't get, you know, you didn't, you know, maximize your work ethic. I mean, so, um, you know, from a boxing standpoint, if you're not prepared and you don't work hard, um, I mean, physically, uh, you can get banged up pretty bad. And so there's a different level of preparation that comes to the training of boxers. And so, you know, what we've been, you know, able to do or what I, you know, want to achieve and want to, you know, the culture is, is having that type of mentality. Now, how do you have it? I mean, that's, that's the, that's the question, you know, how do you get to that mentality where you, where baseball isn't boxing and it's not football and it's not MMA, you know, but you can get guys to believe that they're tougher than their opponents, that they are, that they are deserving of success and they are going to get out of the, out of this big jam and they are going to get that big hit. Um, and how do you do that? I, I just, it, it's our work ethic. It's how, you know, it's what we put our guys through, you know, yes, we do a boxing workout. Yes. I take them down to my dad's gym and, and we, you know, we go through a conditioning segment boxing and just to kind of get them that, you know, yes, I'll send them videos of, of, uh, you know, Hagler Hearns, you know, round one, you know, back in the eighties and, and yes, you know, we'll talk about being tougher than our opponents. We'll talk about how we're different um, than our opponents. Um, but I think when it's said and done, how you relate that to baseball is, you know, as you push them to their limits, you know, you really do, you know, whether it's their conditioning, their lifting, um, you know, the, the way we practice, you know, what's said to them on a daily basis, um, you know, and, and, um, and I think the other part of it is, is who you recruit is a big deal too. That's part of our recruitment is, is we want guys that, that love it. We, we want guys that, that want to be part of, of this and want to be pushed and driven. And sometimes, 
you know, it's not all Disneyland over here. You know, sometimes you're going to get the reality talking. You're going to get, you're going to get pushed and driven hard in a professional way. And our guys understand that, you know, we just want them to develop and get better and they understand what we're trying to do. And so it's the whole thing. It's not only just the workouts that we're doing, but it's just the mentality um, and the type of guy that we want in our program. Through this workout, do you feel like you have taken a guy that might not have the mental makeup that you need for you to have success on the field in through this type of workout has it generated that type of you know toughness i do i do i i think it is not just the workout itself because you know we'll do that maybe once or twice um but it's it's what we do you know back home right it's what we do in the weight room and how we get after it. it's it's the endurance training that we do the running um it's it's all of that it's really getting these guys pushed to their limits where they're going to make a decision are you all in or are you not is this for you or is it not? And, uh, and that's what we're trying to do with these guys. And that's what we do. I mean, we, we really do. And, and so, yes, I believe that a kid, you know, and I use Corbin Burns as an example, you know, I, I think, you know, if you meet Corbin, he's a, he's a genuine, the nicest guy you'll ever meet, you know, glasses, you know, um, yes, sir, no, sir. You know, he's just that guy. Um, and I really believe what we helped him with the most with just that mentality of, of being able to compete. And I believe that's the hardest thing for, for any coach. You know, you can be the best at, at the drills. You know, you can be the best drill giver ever. You can be the best lesson giver ever. You can be, you can have all of these different things and have PowerPoints, you know, galore, you know. But the hardest thing is to actually get these guys to compete with whatever they have. I don't care their arm action. I don't care what type of swing they have. Um, you know, anything, just getting them to compete with whatever they have is the hardest thing for coaches. And I feel like the, the way we do it is, is a good way and it works for us, you know? And, and like I said, I think it's, it's the mentality of first who we, you know, the type of guys we want to recruit and bring in. Number two, when they do get here, we're real, you know, we are, we're real. We're exactly what you know, we said in the recruiting process that you're going to get because we're honest with guys in the recruiting process. This is not for everybody. This is not for everybody. This isn't hugs and kisses and saying that you're great every day. This is reality baseball here and, and reality of life in our program. Um, and it's not, you know, it's not army and it's not yelling, screaming. It's none of that. It's just demanding every single day. And it's not taking and, and it's understanding that we have, you know, this wonderful opportunity as players and coaches and our job is not is to make sure that these guys, you know, that they take advantage of this opportunity that they have um, to the fullest of their potential. You, you talk about training coach. We have a lot of kids on here with their, their parents and understanding the expectation level when they get to you. I think a lot of kids uh, think they're conditioning and doing enough and, running and uh, getting themselves ready but how different is it once they step on like your campus how much more running and the the conditioning part are they going to have to do yeah that's a great question and and everybody and I tell this to our this is our first meeting you know when I and I have our first team meeting and and up to leading up to it because I do want our guys to be prepared for what what's to come 
But everybody that comes to us feels like they're prepared. Um, they feel like, you know, I came from a great junior college. I came from a great high school. I played for a great, you know, travel board organization. I've had good mentors that tell me all of this. And that is absolutely, for the most part, true. But um, when they are away from home and they are on their own and they are, you know, getting up. Remember, everything is the hardest uh, that they've ever been through. So it's the hardest conditioning. It's the hardest um, you know, weight training. It's the hardest baseball practices that they've gone through, you know, with the amount of time and, and all of that. It's the hardest school that they've ever been part of, right? College. It's the next step up. So all of these things, now they're away from their family, away from girlfriends, away from all of this. They're on their own. First time that they're probably, you know, not the best player on the team or the strongest or the fastest. So, so all of those things, um, you know, all of those things play a big role um, in there, you know, once they get here and how they're going to handle it. And we know that as coaches. And so it's our job to first off know that, right? That we have to know that these guys, as good as they are as recruits and why we recruited them, it's going to be very difficult. And they're going to go through a time where, you know, they are questioning if this is for them or not. And so our job as coaches is to build this relationship with our players, which I believe we do. If you ask any of our players, I mean, we, we are open door uh, coaches. We, we, you know, we want our guys to come in. We, we communicate with our guys um, top level. And, and um, I think any of those guys would say that. Um, but it's our job to understand each and every one of our players, you know, and, and individually, you know, and, and understand what gets these guys motivated, what gets them these guys to go. Not everybody, um, you know, you can treat the same. I just, I really believe you treat everybody different, you know, depending on the type of, of person that they are. Some guys need a kick in the butt. Some guys need an arm around them, telling them that it's going to be okay. And that's our job as coaches to, to understand our players and, and, um, and, and push the right buttons for them to get through, um, through at least this first semester and first year, because that's usually the hardest. And once they can get through this first semester or first year, um, then it's smooth sailing for the most part. And they, they're used to it and they get through the kind of the, the, the tough waters um, of this first semester. And, um, and we understand that. And so there's a lot more communication, you know, early, obviously, a lot of help. Um, but to answer your question, again, um, yes, I mean, it's, it's, it's the hardest, you know, conditioning that they've ever been, been through, you know, because our season is long. And, and that's the part of it, our fall you know, we don't play till February 18th. So when our guys get in for, for school in August, but we have all fall um, to prepare. That is the bulk of our work is in the fall. When we get back, you know, we have basically a month, not even a month to, to get our guys, you know, in January ready for, for uh, our first game. So the bulk of the work and, you know, getting that mental toughness and, and getting, getting our guys in, in shape, you know, that happens in the fall for sure. And so, um, yes, I mean, for, from a pre preparation, I mean, obviously it, it matters where you're going. It matters, uh, you know, the type of communication you have with that school and understanding what, what's to expect coming in. And that's what we try to do, you know, the best is we don't get in the way of, of their high school season. Um, we're not telling or their junior college season before they come to us. We're not telling them to do this, make these adjustments, you know, th pitch this many innings. Don't, we don't we don't touch them. All we do is talk to them we listen to how they're they're progressing we're supporting them we communicate with the high school and junior college coaches throughout their their senior year or their last year um and then once they i tell them once you win that 
you know, CIF championship game or that JC championship game starting that summer, now it's on. Now, you know, we're going to get you that, you know, you're going to know what to expect. And now we're going to talk about how you're going to be prepared to come in for the fall. And, um, and so that's a lot different. That's probably different at a lot of different places. And, you know, we do it our way and, and, and that's kind of it. So that way, you know, you're talking about two or three months ahead of time before they actually step foot on campus. Now they're not always going to be as prepared as we want them to, but they're going to have a good idea as to what to expect come, come August. It's great stuff. Let me ask you a question now, um, you know, about pitching, uh, since you're, a, you know, really well-respected pitching guy. This time of year, you know, most high school kids are just starting to get going to and they're throwing programs. I mean, they should be into their throwing programs now. What do you recommend kids right now, you know, 15 to 18? What would be a, a routine that you would have your guys getting into to be ready to go February 18th or whatever day you guys start? Yeah, and that's a very difficult question, Coach, because, you know, it, it's just different timelines for different guys. You know, it really is. And, you know, if it's being prepared for your high school, you know, season, um, then that's different than, <clears throat> you know, I still have to pitch in these tournaments, you know, in the winter or leading up to the season. And so um, that's that's kind of a, that's a difficult question. But I'll, I'll, I'll try to answer it here with this is um, I, I think the biggest part and what we're trying to do is we're trying to prepare our guys to continue to get better week after week. Right. To get their. Um, you know, their endurance, whether it's their wind, whether it's their arm strength, whether it's, you know, all of that, um, we want them to continue to improve all the way. And so, you know, we're, I'll give you an example of kind of where we are, you know, we're one, two, three. So we're going to be three weekends away. Uh, yeah, we're going to be three weekends away come this, this coming weekend. And so, you know, our, starters will go three innings the following weekend they'll go four innings the following weekend they'll go five and then we'll get into to our our season um but it's it's a progression and then they needed to progress to get to a point where they were going three so they were going one a couple weeks ago two you know and that was on their own without coaches um but again that's just the progression and so we start way back you know from from literally throwing 60 feet for a week and then moving it up to, you know, 90 feet, you know, and then into light long and then into long toss and then into, you know, our field pens, which are, you know, 12 to 15 pitches off the mound. And then into, you know, the next week into our 20 to 25 pitch all fastball or fastball changeups, you know, and then into, you know, the next. So it's just different phases for us because we can stretch that out because our season isn't until, you know, February 18th, you know, where these young kids, it's very difficult to do, you know, and what I would do is just, you know, I would map out and that's what I do with my pitchers. I mean, I map out a calendar as to, okay, this is when these guys need to be ready. And each individual guy needs to be ready to pitch this many innings, you know, on this date. And how am I going to prepare their throwing program on a week to week basis on a day to day basis um, to maximize that. And that could all change because, you know, we have such great communication with my pitchers on a, on a daily basis about their arm. And we, I talk to them, hey, you know, when I write out your throwing program for each week and each day of the week, that may change depending on how you feel that day. Hey, I have a long toss day today. Hey, my guys can absolutely come up to me and or they can call me ahead of time or whatever and say, hey, coach, 
you know, my arm's not feeling good to throw long test. Do you mind if I go, you know, light long or 90 feet or take the day off today? Absolutely. Then it's my job to, okay, go back to the drawing board, go back to his throwing program for the week and now change it individually for him for the rest of the week. And so um, that is how, how I've always done it and have just built relationships with my pitchers that they don't fear, you know, to communicate with me. It's their arm. They know exactly how they feel on the day. And, and a lot of times it's the opposite. It might be a 90 foot catch day today, you know, and they want to play long toss and coach, you know, do you mind if I, I feel good today? I'd like to play long toss. Absolutely. You can play long toss, you know, and I'll just let's, let's do this and let me write up the rest of your week um, based off of you throwing, you know, throwing your long toss instead of your 90 feet today. And so, um, you know, that is, that, that's kind of, you know, from a high school kid or a junior college kid getting ready for their, for their season, I think the best way is to be structured, right? To have a calendar, to kind of look ahead as to, you know, when am I going to pitch? When am I going to throw my bullpens? And drawing it up. If I have a bullpen on a Friday, what am I going to do Monday through Thursday? And you got to experiment sometimes, you know, and I think that's the biggest part of it. In the fall, for me, I tell our guys, look, you know, we're going to experiment with things, especially when we get into – to you know our inner squad games and you're throwing one inning two innings a week three innings is a max for the fall you know but I want you to switch up you know what you're doing the day before you pitch what you're doing the day after you pitch you know what you're doing two days before do you like throwing a bullpen if you're throwing on Friday do you like throwing a bullpen on Wednesday or do you like having two days in, in between you know and those are all things that we learn individually in the fall that way once it's time right now um, and we're still going through it. There's still guys that are, you know, we sometimes we throw two bullpens a week for starters. Some days, you know, some weeks we go one. And so it's just a matter of each, you know, if you individualize each person in what they, you know, but in what they like to do, where they feel the best, I think that's the best way. And that also can change on a week to week basis during the season, depending on how they feel, depending on how many pitches they've thrown and all of that. So, again, I think structure is a big part of this thing. Um, you know, structure on a weekly basis, monthly basis, um, and not only that, through their season. Okay. Let me ask you this now, because I know this is is big with you. Pitch counts. Mm -hmm. You know, back in the day, we would just take the ball, and we were going nine. We were, <laughs> nobody's going to take the ball from us. It's a different world today, and people, you know, have turned to – pitch counts on everything what's yeah. your feeling on pitch counts and when I say pitch count is not in our vocabulary it really isn't and and I don't say it's not in our vocabulary because I am just stretching our guys out and they're throwing 150 pitches that's not it at all um, I mean if anything we're the opposite um, you know we take a lot of pride in keeping our guys healthy um, but but let me tell you why why I say that and why I say that the pitch count isn't in our vocabulary um, you know if if a guy's pitching, if a starter, let's just say, is pitching and he's constantly looking at what his pitch count is after three innings, after four innings, after five innings, um, you know, we're trying to be less mental when it comes to all of this stuff. I don't want – I tell my guys, you trust me. I'm not going to leave you in there to die. We have a good pitching staff. We carry a lot of arms, so that way we keep our guys safe. You're going to trust – trust me that I'm not going to leave you out there to die and I'm not going to get get you hurt. Um, and so – what I mean by that is after three innings, I come in, I look at my pitch count. Hey, what's my pitch count? Oh, it's 30 pitches. All right, man, I'm doing good. All right, I'm feeling good. All right, well, let me look after five innings. Oh, I'm at 55 pitch, 60 pitch. All right, all right. And I'm, I should be feeling good. Okay, well, 
after three innings, you know, I come in, I have, or after two innings, I have, you know, 45 pitches. Oh man. Or after, you know, five innings, I have 75, 80. Pi- oh man. I'm, I should be, Oh, you know, this is towards the end. I should be getting tired now. It's just, for me, it's just a mental thing. Okay. It, it, you trust your coach. You trust me that I'm not going to hurt you. You just go out there and do it and don't worry about what your pitch count is. You know, I, I just try to stay away from guys being so mental about, you know, pitching and their pitch counts and all that. Now, again, that's different at different levels, right? I mean, some, um, some coaches are different and some coaches just, um, you know, whether it's youth ball or into high school or travel ball or whatever it may be, um, you know, that can be different for different coaches and parents may have a different feeling over that if they are getting overused or throwing a lot of pitches multiple times a week or whatever it may be. But with us, that's what I mean by pitch count is not in our vocabulary. I'm not, you know, we're not concerned about that. When we have, you know, fall games and these guys are throwing two or three innings, in my mind, I know exactly how many pitches is the max for that inning slash that day for them. And so we'll turn over innings if we have to. We'll turn over, we'll stop their outings and, and you know, finish it just based off of that. And, and so, I mean, we're really careful with all of that and, and take a lot of pride in keeping our guys safe. But we also want the mentality of, I don't care how many pitches. I don't care if I have 50 pitches and, in two innings, I'm going to find a way to be successful forever, however long coach keeps me in there. Um, and, you know, sometimes they'll go five or six innings and have an unbelievable pitch count, and I'm pulling them, you know, and they're not going to question it. All right, he did what he did. I pitched good. Let's go. Next guy. You know, so I think all of that, you know, I don't want my guys to, after a great outing, after five or six innings, come in and go, hey, I only have 65 pitches. Hey, what the heck, coach? You know, that, that's, not how it, that's not how it works, you know, and so that's what I mean by that. Okay, so so when you're looking at guys in your program and when you're recruiting guys and you're breaking them down as starter type or reliever type, uh, you know, these young kids are, you know, obviously all want to be starters. What are the things that you're looking for when you're recruiting guys or when you're, you're with your own pitching staff to be your guys that's going to be the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday guys and who are going to come out of your bullpen? There's just so many roles, you know, there's so many roles. I mean, of course, we're going out looking for the best of the best. I mean, that's what we're always going to do that. But there's there's also times where, you know, you're looking for guys, you know, whether it's you're out of scholarship money, you need some non-scholarship guys, you need some financial aid guys, you need some free guys that are going to help you and they're going to fulfill roles for you, not just necessarily as, hey, this guy can, you know, can be a starter for us. I mean, we've had so many guys that we've, you know, felt like they're going to be big time starters and they end up not pitching a lot. Um, and then we've had it the opposite where we've had guys that, Hey, these guys are a non-scholarship guy. We just wanted him to fill a role. Maybe, maybe his sophomore, junior, senior year, he can pitch some innings for us. Maybe he's a left-handed, you know, soft throwing lefty, whatever. And all of a sudden they're freshman all Americans. And now they're the guys, you know, Ken Waldenchuk comes to mind at, at you know, who's a, a top uh, 20, I think he's a top 10 prospect in the Yankees organization, left-handed pitcher that we had at St. Mary's college. who's going to pitch in the big leagues probably next year non-scholarship from San Diego, nobody recruiting him. You know, he comes in and he's one of the best pitchers in the country. He's an All-American, gets drafted, and now he's going to pitch in the big leagues probably next year. So, so you, you know, when we're going out and recruiting arms, the one thing we talk about is command. We talk about, you know, I, I want guys that throw strikes. I mean, that, that's over the velocity. Now, of course, if a guy throws hard and he throws strikes, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great recipe to have. 
Now, how do you find that? I mean, that's that's the other question. I mean, we may go see somebody two or three times and have to make a decision based off of that. Well, I think a lot of it is is, you know, the communication with that certain high school coach, that certain travel ball coach, that certain scout in the area, um, you know, mentors to these kids and just finding and doing the research. And I think that's what myself and my my assistant coaches that are that, that you know, recruit that's what we try and look for. You know, we look at numbers, you know, we look at high school numbers. I look at, you know, if I can get numbers, you know, from, from the summer, you know, I look at JC numbers and, and I really dive into, you know, how many innings do they have? How many walks do they have? How many strikeouts do they have? How many hits do they have? That says a lot, um, you know, because I'll get a lot of, you know, I'll get a lot of guys calling me about, Hey, I have this guy, you know, he throws, he has a lot of upside, you know, and, and he just, his command just isn't there, but if he gets to somewhere where, well, I mean, you can ask any pitching coach. It's, I mean, that's a very difficult thing to do, the command part of it. I mean, that's why you have a lot of pitching guys that talk about gaining velocity, but not a lot of – you don't see a lot of books written about, you know, these, these wizards that can turn a guy that's never thrown strikes to now turn him into Greg Maddox. You know, it's very difficult to do. And in our case, sometimes we don't have that time. You know, if we there's a 6'9 guy that, you know, that is uh, has so much projection and this and that, but he can't find the strike zone and he can't, you know, he doesn't win and he doesn't pitch on his high school team much, but he has this upside wall. I mean, we could find guys that, that are winners, you know, that throw strikes that maybe doesn't have that, that, uh, that 90, but they're 84, 86. And you know what they're going to, in, in our, we trust that they're in our throwing program, in our strength and conditioning program. We're going to take a chance on a guy like that and say, Hey, by the time he's a sophomore, junior, even maybe by the end of his freshman year, that 84, 86 guy is going to be, you know, 87 to 90 or even 86 to 88. And, but this guy has always thrown strikes. He can always pitch backwards if he had to, he can always, you know, he has that good breaking ball. Those are the guys that we'll, we'll have more confidence in, in recruiting uh, for our program. Now, when you talk about command, can you, it's a lot of young players being on here. Can you differentiate what you mean from controlling ball or commanding ball? Absolutely. Um, throwing strikes in the middle of the plate. I mean, I am a big proponent of that's where it starts. When you start to nibble too much and try to, usually the guys that can bang strikes right down the middle are guys that can work both sides of the plate. I mean, that's just how, for me at least, that's what I've seen. You know, so, so we don't get too complicated. We start from scratch in there. Let me see you pound the middle of the strike zone with the pitches that you have, you know, before we start getting into – you know, down and away, up and middle, you know, off the plate, breaking balls in the dirt and trying to get too fancy with things. Remember, we, I mean, we play at Blair Field. It's one of the biggest college baseball facilities in the country. Um, and so our guys, you know, I mean, the, walking guys and getting behind guys is just something we're not going to do. We're going to challenge the hitters. And if it has to be middle of the zone, then it's going to be my job to, to, you know, learn these guys and scouting reports and, and call a good game and, and, uh, you know, but I want our guys to throw strikes middle of the zone. And then from there, when I feel like, you know, they own that and they, they can move to the next step, then that's, then that's what we'll do. And having these guys understand the difference between, you know, a good down and away four spot versus a, just a strike four spot is that next step for us. And we're going to own the outside part of the plate, um, you know, with your fastball. Um, and then again, you know, our, our main philosophy is being able to throw any pitch in any count. And, um, and, uh, you know, and, and sometimes that is utilizing the fastball a ton. Sometimes it's, 
pitching backwards. It's, it's being able to, to have our guys, you know, when season starts, it's having that confidence to throw any pitch in any count. Um, and they're not going to be surprised ever if they get a three, one changeup or a three, two breaking ball, you know, they're just, they're prepared to do it because we've been doing it for so long. And again, if we have to pitch with our fastball, because that's what we're winning with at the time, then that's what we'll do as well. Do you feel like, you know, um, calling pitches, is that your job or do you want your players and your catcher to have the feel for the game and to do that? Or do you like to be the guy that's calling the pitches? That's a great, arg- or that, that's a great question. And I'm sure we can have a, a huge discussion on that with everybody. I call our pitches and now here's my thing. Um, and I've done it since day one. Now I pitched for, for Frank Sanchez, who I love to death. Um, but he called our pitches and you couldn't shake. Um, so he didn't allow us to shake. And I tell my pitchers all the time. I've done it for 20 years. I tell my pitchers all the time. I know the feeling of getting the ball back and knowing exactly what I want to throw. Like I do. And, and I know that I just threw this curveball and there's no way he's going to hit this next one. And all of a sudden I get a fastball call and I can't shake. My mind is just not all into this fastball because I know I can throw that breaking ball and get him or vice versa, right? The opposite that I just threw a fastball four spot by a guy. I could just feel like I'm going to, I know I can get it by this guy again. Oh, coach calls a changeup. No, I don't want to throw that, but I have to, I'm a soldier. I'm a, you know, I'm a player. I got it. I got to do it. I just know that feeling. And so for years, for every year, I tell my players, I call them suggestions. Um, and there's a couple reasons why I do this. Number one is because I know that feeling of getting the ball back and wanting to, and knowing what to throw. So I let them do that and I give them the freedom and I tell them all the time, if, if you shake because you wanted something else and the guy hits a home run off of you, I will never say a word. I will not give you a dirty look or tell you why you did this or nothing. You wanted that pitch. You threw it. That's, that's what it is. You know, I mean, that's, that's, you wanted that you were, um, you know, you wanted to throw that pitch right in that situation. I totally understand. And you know what? It got hit and that's okay. You know, you're learning from that. It also takes away the excuse factor. Um, so my guys, you know, I tell them all the time, you're not going to throw a pitch that I called and give up a double in the gap and look in the dugout like, hey, coach, like that was the wrong pitch to call at this time. No, 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 no. This is suggestions. If you wanted to change the pitch, you wanted to shake, you go right ahead and do it. You know, so it takes that kind of excuse factor out of the way because on the flip side, if you do shake and you give up a hit, I don't say a word. It is what it is. And, uh, you know, on the other side of it, if, if you do give up a rocket off of something, uh, you know, that I called you, you're not looking in the dugout saying I should have thrown something different. If you wanted to throw something different, you would have shook to it. Um, but more to it, hey, I, the, here's, my que- here's my thing. You know, I, I, it's like quarterbacks in college. You know, it's like quarterbacks in college. There's an offensive coordinator. You know, the, the, the quarterbacks, and, and I don't know football too, too well in college football, but I would assume – that there's an offensive coordinator that the quarterback is not running every single play um, to try to win a national championship. That's what you have an offensive coordinator for. That's what he calls the plays. He, he does the research. He watches all the videos. He does all the scouting reports and he's prepared more than anything, you know, and he has, he's probably 45 years old. He has 25 years of experience, you know, and not to say that, 
that, you know, an 18 to 22 year old is not ready or whatever, but he's definitely not going to be as prepared as this man that does this for a living every single day. I kind of feel the same way, you know, in calling pitches. And here's the thing with what, what we have to do. And this is what I do is, is yes, I study, I watch the videos. Um, I send the links to our guys to watch, you know, the videos of the hitter, hitters as well as our catchers, um, you know, doing that research as well. But pitching coaches that call pitches and that have scouting reports that do the research that are prepared the most, um, you know, for this, I feel that they have to communicate with their catchers. They have to communicate whether it's before, during, and after that game, that series, whatever, as to certain situations, why we did this, what we're going to do, and why we did it, we should have done it this way, whatever. And, and so that way you're helping, you know, their, that catcher learn. You're, you're helping those pitchers as well know themselves, you know, and that's the other part of this thing is I want the pitchers to know themselves. I, I love catchers, and I think catchers, you know, uh, you know, they can call great games and they'll do their – but there's nobody that knows – the pitcher more than himself and what he can do best and what he's feeling at that moment and what's working for him and all of that. And so, you know, my trust, you know, I love my catchers. I understand that, but, but, you know, the pitcher on the mound is the one that knows how he feels at that exact moment and what he wants to do. Now, again, it has to be a collective team effort, but as far as calling pitches, I do it, you know, and I I feel like, like that is um, one of the things that, that, um, I have a really good feel for, you know, I take a lot of pride in, in doing the research on the, the teams and the players um, that we're going to face. We have a good plan set up. We talk it over with the, with the catchers and with the pitchers that, that uh, you know, before our series or before our game, and we have a good plan of attack and we go in and, and do it. And so again, um, um, you know, it's just about preparing. Now I have one of the best catchers in the, you know, I have a lot of good catchers on our team, but I have one of the best defensive catchers in the country and Connor Burns, um, you know, who I could probably give him, give him the reins, you know, and, and let him go. But again, he's still a young kid. He has so much on his plate, you know, with just, you know, that, that there's so much more. I want to take the mindset out of this thing. I want them to focus on catching a good game. You know, obviously, uh, um, you know, he still has to, to bat. He has to communicate with the pitchers, all those things. Um, and so we have good communication um, you know, when it comes to our game and he'll tell me little things during games. Like if I call a pitch, he'll give me, he'll shake a head. He'll say, Nope, I think this someday, you know, sometimes I'll go, Hey, what do you think about this? Like in just my, my kind of my, my signs with my hands, like, what do you think about this pitch at this time? And he'll give me a shake or he'll say, yes. I mean, so we're, we're working together during the whole thing, but, um, that's kind of my, my view on, on the pitch calling. Okay. That's great. Let me, let me go to, mentoring a young baseball player that you know wants to get to the next level what would you you have sons now and you have got you know you're talking with them about what they're going to do in their sport life and how you're going to help get them there what would be your advice to the kids on this call that are listening to you as you know a major division one college coach who's had success what would you tell these kids at this 13 to 15, 16 uh, age range, what they have to do in order to have success? What are some of the things that you would mentor them on to, to hopefully get to that next level? That's a great question. And, and it's a very, you know, kids nowadays with social media are going through a lot. 
Um, and I know a lot of coaches say, you know, oh, back then we, you know, did this and we we're in these kids nowadays. They're not the same. These kids go through much more than we ever had to go through. I mean, they, they, they have so much more on their plate. Um, and so we understand that. And, um, you know, I think the biggest part of this is, is, is making them understand if they're playing high school baseball, if, they're, if their goal is to obviously play at the next level, um, there is a home for you. 100% there's a home for you. Now, it may not be at Long Beach State. It may not be at LSU. You may not be at the top of the top, um, you know, or Division One. It may be a Division Two, Division Three, NAIA, JC, whatever. There is so many great baseball programs at all levels. And so any 13, 14, 15-year-old, any younger kids that have this dream or love the game so much, but they, they doubt themselves, how can I be this guy? How can I – I mean, look at the look at what these guys look like at Long Beach State at LA. Look at what these guys. I don't look like that. I don't play that way. What? Well, you have so much time, and not only that, there there is an opportunity for you. Now, it's going to take hard work. It's going to take research. It's going to, you know, when you get to the point of looking into, you know, colleges or whatever, there's going to have to be some people that are really honest with you with the type of ability you are, the type of student you are, um, obviously what you can afford from a financial standpoint. And so there's a lot of things, but, but if there's any motivation, the motivation is there's a home for you. Um, there really is. And, and you may not be the best player in your team right now, or you may be the best player in your team right now. And none of that matters at this moment. And I tell my sons that all the time, they're 11 years old. They, you know, they box. And so one of them weighs 65 pounds. The other one boxes that they box at 65 pounds and 70 pounds for 11 year old and 12 U baseball that they're playing. They're the smallest two, uh, every single team that they play for. And I tell them right now, like, look, I, I, you know, a lot of these kids right now, they're good at this level because at 12, maybe they're the biggest kids and they're, you know, and they're just slamming balls all over the place or they're throwing hard, but their swing isn't very good. And their arm action is not very, you know, if you just continue to grind, you continue to work hard, you continue to be uh, positive of what you're doing and working hard and, and, and being coachable and, and being a good teammate. And I promise you, in the end, when this thing, when you're getting ready to search for colleges, okay, and, and you buy into it and you love the sport and you go through it, then you'll see where you fall when you'll see where you'll be when, when, uh, when it all plays out. And so, again, there's opportunities for you guys, you know, that are, that are uh, um, you know, young ball players right now that, again, if you're the best guy right now, well, guess what? There's going to be these guys that are smaller, that are not as good, that are going to continue to work and work even harder because they want to be the best. And if you're the guy that's not the best guy right now, don't, you know, don't, uh, don't let that hurt you. Continue to grind and be that guy that's going to that's gonna do more, that's going to do extra, that's going to continue to work. And, and sooner or later, you're going to pass up a lot of people. And, and so, um, you know, that's my thing. And here's the last tip I'll say, and this is what I try to tell our guys. And I try to tell my own sons, you have to do, you have to do something different you have to do something more than what's asked of you. And that's, that's it. I mean, I tell my team that all the time. How are we going to say that we're working? Every single college baseball program works hard. Every one of them. They do. They're going to maximize the hours that the NCAA gives. They're going to kick butt in the weight room. They're going to condition. They're going to do all those things. But not every single college baseball player is going to do more than that. They're not going to do more than that after. They're not going to run an extra two miles at night because just because they're not going to get that extra lift in, you know, they're not going to watch that extra video, 
you know, on YouTube that they can find of the million videos of them getting better. You know, they're not going to do those things because they have other priorities. They're going to go out with their girlfriends. They're going to go play video games. They're going to, you know, go to a bar or whatever it's going to be. They're going to do all those things. And I want our guys to do that extra everything. I tell them all the time, if you're watching a football game, I mean, you should be doing something. You should be having those little, you know, those, those forearm squeezers sitting there or a tennis ball. You're squeezing it while you're watching. There should never be a day that goes by that you did nothing to better your craft. If you, if this is what you want to do, then you're not going to let a day go by where you're not doing something a little more or something a little extra or a day that you don't have practice. It's not a day off. You're going to do something because that's just in your brain. And when you start doing things like that and you start, that's just a habit. It just becomes a habit. And now it's like, I'm sitting at home at night. It's eight o'clock. I'm going to go to bed at 10 o'clock, man. I'm just sitting here doing nothing. I got to do something. I'm gonna go for a run take my dog out for a run or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to watch some video of me in the fall and how I can improve this, you know? And so that mindset is what we're trying to do that way. I really believe that if you are that way, um, that when you are in those moments of, you know, deep in a game, tough moments, second and third, one out, trying to get out of a jam on the mound, second and third, two outs, game win, you know, tying run at third, winning run at second, that you actually can feel that you deserve success. I've outworked my opponent. There's no way that this guy that's facing me has worked harder than me. I've done it every single day, more than what was asked of me. And I'm going to come through in this situation right now. I really believe that if you have that feeling, that's where a lot of confidence comes from. And that's what we live by. When you go watch a player, when you have a day when you, you know, you might be recruiting a guy, and you know, you and Daniel and Brian are, or, or locked down on a guy. When you go see a guy, can you tell these kids when you go watch them what you want to see? Yeah, absolutely. Um, huh. Well, I mean, just to, to put it quite blunt, I mean, I, we're looking for good players, right? We're looking for guys that 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 when we go on a field and we see an infield outfield, he's the guy that has the most energy. He's the guy that has the actions. He's the guy that's moving around that. That's, uh, you know, that's communicating, that's talking, that's loud, um, that's playing with his hair on fire. Same thing with, with, you know, during the game, you know, I want to see, I know a lot of coaches like, you know, they'll say things like, you know, we want to see a guy fail and Hey, look, sometimes we go out and, and we'll see a guy two times. And if he goes Oh, for five with three strikeouts, it's probably, he's not probably going to get recruited by us. And that just sucks. I know it's hard to say, but that's just, it is what it is. So in those moments and opportunities, I mean, they're going to have to perform. You're going to have to get some hits. You're going to have to make some big pitches. You're going to have to, uh, um, you know, from, from a results standpoint, you're going to have to do something that's going to open our eyes and say, man, this is a good player. And now the great thing about baseball is, you know, when it comes to size, that doesn't really matter. You know, it just doesn't. You know, we have plenty of guys on our team that are humongous and plenty of guys on our team that are, that are small. And so that's the good thing. But – um, you know, we want to see guys that perform. We want to see guys that get those hits in those big moments that run hard, you know, through the base, um, you know, after they slam a ball that, that have energy in the dugout after that guys that just kind of kind of do it. Now, now you may have a great game that day that we see you and then we're going to do our background right after, you know, and that's the other part of this thing. You know, I mean, we, we trust we have so many. The good thing about you know, our coaching staff is we have so many good relationships with people coach like yourself, 
And we trust a lot of people that when you say I have a good player that you need to come see, you know, he may have a bad game, but we trust you so much. And, and we understand that, you know, what a big, good baseball player is. And so that'll get us out there more and see this guy more and more and see if he is a good fit for our program. And it can happen the other way, right? I mean, we want to have trust in a lot of these coaches. They trust us. We have great relationships that I may go on a certain day or coach Costanza or coach Peters may go see a guy. He goes four for four and looks like a superstar. And then after we're calling the coach and he's like, Hey man, you know, like I've known you for years and, and, you know, he's not a, he's not a right, he's not the right fit for you. Yeah. He, he played good today, you know, but look, he, he's just, you know, he's not the animal you want, you know, or he doesn't have the grades or yeah, he's been struggling. Yeah, he had a good game today, but you know, I, I need to, we need to see him more. Let me, let me see him more. He had a good game today, but he needs some time still. And so Again, there's just so many things that go into the recruiting process and who we recruit, the type of player we recruit. But a lot of it, I think, starts with, you know, the, the obvious, uh, um, the relationships that we've built with, again, coaches, mentors uh, of these guys and, 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 you know, working with them over the years and trusting that, um, you know, we can cost anybody on the West Coast in these areas that these kids come from. And somebody is going to know this kid. Somebody is going to have seen him more than us and know the family, know the kid personally, know the coaches and, and we'll get this and gather this information. And then we'll start building that relationship with that player, talking to their family, talking to the kid one-on-one -on -one and seeing if he is a, you know, a fit for our program. Cause like I said, from the beginning, we are not for everybody. What, let me ask you this. Two more questions. It's, yeah. I can't believe it's already six fifty-five. He's been fantastic, uh, Coach. What is important to Eric Valenzuela as a person and as a coach? Well, what's important to me is, is uh, you know, are you talking about as a player, like just as a person in general, what's important to me? I, I'm just – what I'm basically asking you is mm -hmm. what's important for you for a guy to be in your program as a yeah. person? Yeah. Right, right. Um, wow, that's a great question. And, and, and again, um, when I say that, that we're not for everybody, that doesn't mean that you have to be one type of individual. Um, you know, we have plenty of guys that, that um, you know, I, I'll say this. This is the recruiting process in a whole, and I tell parents this all the time. There's kind of three sets of parents that we deal with in the recruiting process. The first, the first set, um, you know, they meet us. They hear what we're all about. They hear our product. They meet our players. They communicate with them. And, you know, they feel like this is a perfect fit because this is exactly how we raised our son. You know, he has obviously good character. He's a good student. He's a good ball player. But we've raised him, you know, tough. We've raised him. We've pushed him to his limits. We want that. We want that to be continued. We want our kid to be, you know, pushed to his limits, high demands, high expectations, you know, coaches that are going to stay on him, whether it's in the classroom, off the field, on the field, all of that. Perfect fit. He's going there. You know, this is where we want him. So, you know, that's that's number one. The second family we'll get is, you know, we've raised our son. He's such a great student. He's such a nice boy. You know, he's a good baseball player. But, God, you know, we just that, – that one piece that he's missing, he's missing that toughness. He's missing that kind of – you know, maybe we've – you know, we just didn't instill that too much. You know, we, we just let him kind of do his thing and let him grow. And, you know, he just maybe that that um, competitiveness might be missing, but he has everything else. Such a good kid. This might be the this is the perfect fit because they're going to get out of him 
that. You know, they're going to get that that competitive juice, that that toughness, that that mean mentality as a baseball player, and that winning mentality, and and no excuses mentality, look in the mirror mentality, that that type of thing. We want them to go and and, and get in there and, and be part of that program. And then there's you know, then there's the third family that you know this is this is not for little Johnny. It's just not. You know, this is we want somewhere where. You know, it's not as demanding. It's not, you know, maybe more of, I'm not going to say a hobby, but just, you know, just hugs and kisses. And, you know, it's just uh, Disneyland. And they, we just want the, him to enjoy his last couple of years of playing baseball. And we don't want, these guys are too serious sometimes. And so this may not be the right fit for them. And that's okay. Because either way, you know, we're going to find those guys that are the right fit and want to be part of this thing um, for sure. But what we're looking for is, Obviously, high character. I think first and foremost, <laughs> I mean, when, when we're talking about a recruit um, or just a person in general, high character, um, you know, what, what's the background? You know, meeting the family, um, really diving into to, uh, the player and building a relationship with the families. And I think that's a big deal because I think a lot of players feel like when they get to this level, there's coaches that I'm not dealing with parents. You know, I'm not you're grown men now. I'm not dealing with parents and, and uh, you know, you're big boys now. Well, you know, if our goal is to build men, if our goal is to build your son and get him, you know, uh, not only from a baseball standpoint to the next level, but get him prepared for life. Um, there's nobody that knows your son more than mom and dad or whoever he's being raised by. So why wouldn't, me and my coaching staff have a relationship with these kids' parents to absolutely know what's, you know, how to, how to get to these kids, you know, how to get to that individual, what works, you know, and what doesn't work, you know? And, and so I really believe that. And so it's not a closed door. I don't want to hear from parents. None of that. We have great relationships with our recruits, parents, our players, parents. Um, we have that atmosphere, but you know, it's all part of our players development um, and getting them prepared for when they leave us. I mean, coach, you know, I wish every one of our guys would play 20 years in the big leagues and never have to work a day in their life, but you know, that's not going to happen. You know, 95% of my guys are going to not play professional baseball and they're going to be in the real world. They're going to be dads. They're going to be husbands. They're going to be businessmen. They're going to, you know, work side by side and be teammates, you know, in the workforce. And I want our guys to be prepared, um, you know, to be the best, in all of those areas as well. It's crazy. It's so good, uh, Eric. Walter, do you have a question that you wanted to ask, Eric? I do, Butch, and, and thank you for tonight, Coach. I'm taking a lot of notes, and I'm a huge dirtbag fan and have a lot of dirtbag gear. All right. Um, I, I was hoping that you could shed some light. I've spoken with several parents this evening and before our call tonight and wondering if you can explain the dynamic to parents that not only are they competing about within their peer group, but they're also in reality competing to get to Long Beach with transfers and JUCO student athletes. And I'm not quite sure that parents truly understand that dynamic when it comes to college baseball recruiting. So if you could touch on that a little bit, it'd be great. Yeah, no, thank you, Walter. I appreciate the question. Um, yeah, I, I think it's about, you know, the culture that you create and what our coaching staff creates. I mean, our guys are going to compete 
no matter what. I mean, every single year they understand and we're not afraid, you know, to tell these guys that, hey, I mean, there's recruits coming in, whether they're freshmen or whether they're junior college players or whether now with the transfer portal, um, you know, there's always I mean, every school is looking to obviously get the best players that they can for their product. Now, um, <clears throat> now, I think what it does is it creates a ton of competition from within because our players know and they understand that that because just because they were maybe the starting shortstop last year or that Friday night pitcher last year, that means absolutely nothing come that next fall, you know, because now you got new guys in there. You got guys that, that maybe were younger that didn't pitch or play much that went out to summer ball and really, I mean, they took summer ball and they got better and they got at bats and they got stronger and they just worked their butt off. And so again, it's, when you have a culture of them understanding the reality of how this thing works, then there's never a letdown. There's never a time period where, you know, they're going to relax or they're going to feel like, uh, you know, I deserve to be this guy. I deserve to be the starter. I deserve to bat here in, in the three hole or whatever. That's just not how it works, especially in our program. We have so much competition right now, um, both pitching wise and position player wise, that we're going to have some really good players that are on the bench, you know, and, and it's our job to keep them motivated. It's our job to, you know, to, you know, communicate with them and to get them to be a great teammate and to understand that, Hey, when it's my time, okay, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to do the best I can. And I'm not making excuses because I'm on the bench. I'm not making excuses because I didn't get those innings that, that I feel, maybe I do feel like I deserve some more time, but you know what? I'm a good team guy. I'm a coachable guy. And, you know, I'm just going to wait and I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep grinding. Um, and then that that's during the year. And then after the year, you know, um, understanding that coaches and teams are going to bring in guys. I mean, that's just how it works. And, and it's only going to make you better, um, you know, uh, understanding that. Uh, and I tell our guys, hey, the better our program gets, guess what? The recruits are going to get better. You know, we're going to get guys that want to, I mean, it's that's just how it works. And so there's going to be, high school All-Americans, JC All-Americans, transfers in the transfer portal that, you know, were starters, you know, that are going to come in here and want to be part of this thing. And, uh, and so everybody has to continue to improve and get better. Unbelievable. Uh, great question, Walter. Thank you, Eric. Hey, um, for the last hour and four minutes, you've educated all of us. It's been a tremendous honor to have you on this show with us. And I just truly tell you, I I thank you so much for coming on. Coach, thank you so much. I do, before I end, you know, um, I do want to say this. I I really believe um, I've been blessed with the people that I've surrounded myself with. I have the best to me, and every coach is going to say this, but not every coach has the relationships with their assistant coaches like I do. You know, it just, it's, when you have coaches that you trust, when you can have the relationships that, that we do as a family, your team, it feeds, your team feeds off of that, you know? And our guys, you come to our practices and you come to our games and you see the energy that our guys have in the dugout and on the field. I think a lot of that comes into play with how our coaches are on the field and how we interact with each other on a daily basis in the office and on the field. And, and um, you know, I, I just... To have Brian Peters, to me, is the best hitting coach in the country. I mean, you see the numbers. They speak for themselves. Danny Costanza, he's our recruiting coordinator. He's a soldier. I know, Coach, he, 
he crushes you on players all the time and is, is blowing up your, your phone on guys. I mean, he's, he's relentless, um, but he he's is. also an unbelievable infield guy and just a great, tremendous baseball guy. And then my catching coach, Ryan Day, um, is, is uh, just a young superstar on his way up for sure. And then Jordan Aboides, who I'm blessed to have as our big director of player development, who, uh, you know, he played. He was a two-way guy at Arizona State, and we're lucky enough to have him over this year from Cypress College. Um, he's awesome. And so I, I just, I'm blessed to be surrounded by, you know, the best coaching staff in the country. And I really believe, uh, and, and I'm really thankful coach that, uh, that you had me on tonight. Thank you. And I can just tell you this, both the guys you just spoke about, I see, I've seen them at games. They're personable with everybody. They, they got smiles on their faces, uh, and they, they do really represent you well. I appreciate that. I'm lucky to have them. That's for sure. Thank you. Thank you again, Eric. Guys, Coach, thank now, you. have a great week. Thanks for being on. Good night, everybody.